This is Miller's Edge on Tide team in the NFL and you saw all of that today. That quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, was named Super Bowl MVP for a third time. 333 yards passing and 66 more yards rushing. This is the Miller's Edge with Christian Miller, two-time national champion and team captain for the Alabama Crimson Tide and former Carolina Panther and his father, Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, a nine-year NFL veteran with the New York Giants and University of South Carolina Hall of Famer. This is the Miller's Edge. Welcome into the Miller's Edge here on the Tide 100.9-1230. AMWTBC, hope you all had a magnificent weekend. A lot of good sports was on the tube. The weather was really good for sitting around and doing nothing, at least here in Columbia, South Carolina, where I'm at. I don't know about in Tuscaloosa, but as it is today, it's a lot of rain and it's really dreary and cloudy and it's good sleeping weather. But, you know, turn the fireplace on, turn on the, the, the flat screen, whatever you got, whatever size flat screen you got, and you watch sports. What I did yesterday, uh, watched the Gamecock women's basketball team stay number one as they took on Geno. You remember? Getting the win over Connecticut. Yep, and a good one. Blowout win. The Gamecock stays number one as uh, they... They didn't play without the starting center who's an all-conference player, maybe an all-American, maybe player of the year. I know she's a candidate, uh, <laughs> Camila Cadorso. Uh, so she was over in Brazil uh, with her um, nation's team, and she missed the last two ball games where the Gamecocks were able to get uh, the dub regardless over Ole Miss and then now over uh, UConn. So the Gamecocks stay in the poll. I just saw they're still number one. Uh, so here's what we got today on the program. Of course, we got to start with the Super Bowl. Great game, Super Bowl 58 played yesterday. I don't know what you guys thought of it. I know everybody's going to ask the questions. I've been hearing them ever since this morning, you know, to the halftime show, to the, you know, Star Spangled Banner, to uh, who's at the game, to who's who, you know, Taylor Swift making it back from Tokyo, how many times we threw that out there, that they would show her it was a lot. Uh, I don't know as many as we thought, but it was still a lot. Uh, but nonetheless, what a great ball game. Uh, went into overtime. The San Francisco started out with a 10 to nothing lead over, uh, Kansas City and my homeboy Patrick Mahomes. But again, once again, for the third time for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they mount a valiant comeback and win this game in overtime. So we'll get into that. We'll break it down. We'll talk about the X and O's of the game. I know a lot of people, again, the Monday morning quarterbacks are out. 
you know, they made a mistake in overtime by, you know, taking the ball. They should have deferred. We're getting to some of that. The rules have changed uh, and the playoffs are going back to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Kelly. You know, when Patrick Mahomes uh, scored with like 13 seconds and then they ended up winning that game in overtime and Josh Allen got no chance. So the rules have changed. So we'll get into some of that. Uh, NFL grown man football talk as they finish their last game of the season. Uh, then, of course, the big news locally, the number one news is the coaching staff at Alabama. And I know we're going to get a lot of love and a lot of conversation on this topic with Ryan Grubb saying uh, thank you, but no thank you to Kalen DeBoer. He moves on back to Seattle, never have, having to get rid of his home. His wife can stay put. Um, and now he's going to coach with the Seattle Seahawks as the offensive coordinator. Not only that, but the guy he's taking with him is the offensive line coach, which to me is maybe the biggest blow. And I'll tell you why. Because this team did win the Joe Moore Award last year. And he was the offensive line coach. We've been bragging and talking, not me, but a lot of you uh, and people have been talking about how, you know, his offensive line should be back to what we think it should be as an Alabama offensive line. Well, they don't have an offensive line coach. So now Alabama is sitting here stuck uh, as they are putting in the game plan this week. And let it started last week and then this week. And now you don't have an offensive coordinator. I mean, people say, hey, you know, Corey, but, you know, this is Kalen DeBoer's offense. Well, I'm going to tell you why I get that. But at the same time, it's very, very, very crucial to have an offensive coordinator who's mouth these guys are hearing all the time so uh well christian and i give you our thoughts on that and plus who will be the office coordinator i don't know i don't even like to get into some of these conversations because at the end of the day we don't know we think we know and all these people on x and all these social media platforms they go looking around and they're just going to throw out a bunch of names or they're going to copy what somebody else has said and they're going to take you know but at the end of the day nobody knows uh kevin labor knows greg Byrne knows uh, who's going to be the next OC if they even hire one? Will he call the plays? We've got a lot of stuff happening uh, over there at Alabama right now, which is not good for a new coach and a new coaching staff. Let's just say it that way. It's not good. So we got that to get into. Alabama basketball getting a dub over the weekend over LSU. High-scoring affair. we got that to talk about. The softball team getting it done down in the ATL and wherever else you want to go on the program. Here it is, Jerry, right here. 205-342-9904. That's all you got to do to get on the phone to give us your thoughts and opinions or you can download that free app, Tide 100.9. It's absolutely free. And you can put that on your smartphone. You can listen wherever you are in this great United States of America. And you can find us on the air through that uh, avenue. Or you can also submit a question, thought, or comment. So those are the ways that we got to uh, communicate with you on the Miller's Edge today. There you go. The table has been set. Let's take it down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Christian Miller. Noah is in the house. Guys, good Monday to you. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Had a great weekend, man. Uh, uh, first and foremost, that game last night, that ended up being a really good game. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little concerned initially because uh, the first half, I'm not going to lie, I was a little underwhelming. First right? half was boring. It was boring. It was pretty sloppy, yeah. you know, the turnovers. Um, it was. It, but I, I will say what, one thing that game should show you is that defense absolutely – uh, plays a role, and obviously, you know, at the end of the day, Kansas City. They win got, championships. Yeah, they win championships, but to be fair, you know, Pat Mahomes and, and that offense uh, basically, you know, finished it for the Chiefs. But if you watch that game, the reason Sam Fran really should have won that football game was because of defense, and specifically that defensive front. And I'm telling you, that the, the defensive front for the 49ers is just is ridiculous. And they were active all night. 
Um, and they, they, they made it very tough for the Chiefs, especially that first half. But again, man, Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, they found a way. And that was one thing, you know, I was uh, with Jamie and we were watching it and, uh, you know, he was grilling, man. Shout out to Jamie, that dude. He can throw down on the grill, man. I mean, <laughs> shrimp, ribs, chicken wings. I mean, he, boy, we had a great time yesterday. But anyway, that's what we talked about. We said, look, man, this is one of those hard, this is one of those hard games to really kind of figure out which way it might go, right? But I said, when you look at Kansas City and Pat Mahomes, most of the time these Super Bowls are pretty dang close. And in a close matchup, I can't bet against Kansas City and Pat Mahomes. And he's, that's exactly what he said too. We, we agreed on that. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I mean, when you get in those, uh, crunch situations when everything's on the line, man, it's just too hard to bet a guy, bet against a guy like Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, that play call at the end, another wonderful, uh, play drawn up by Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, whoever, uh, drew that play up, Miko Hardman, awesome story for him, a guy that. Would that, be, that would be Andy Reid's yeah, call. Yeah, I, I know. Corn dog with a little splash of mustard ketchup. 100%. But, it, but I like giving everybody involved a little bit of credit. Maybe Matt Nagy had a little, oh, who knows, but of course it was probably Andy Reid. But just saying though, Miko Hardman, a guy, uh, former Georgia guy, he was with Kansas City. They end up signing with the Jets, got traded back to Kansas City, then kind of had, you know, it was a pretty, pretty rough year this past year, but then for him to catch that game when it touched down, it's awesome to see him. Then our very own Isaiah Bugs, my guy Bugs, uh, who was here with me. He was, uh, the lone Alabama alumni that, that won, uh, Super, no, Super no, Bowl. No, no, the Titans, yeah. Cam. I said that won the Super Bowl. Cam oh, Latu okay. was with the 49ers, okay. so he did not win. Unfortunately, okay. but Isaiah Bugs is a Super Bowl champion, so right. we'll get him on the show. He's a, he's, he's a, always in Tuscaloosa. Maybe I'll get him to swing by the station. You know, he owns King well, Cooper. Phone, the show. phone works, you know, when you're in Kansas City too. Um, it, it does work. I just was saying that he is always in Tuscaloosa, so. <laughs> um, call him. We need a fresh call Bugs up. You know, when we talked about the vape, the vape club gonna be off the chain. Yeah, you going over there? You're gonna be over there vaping? I, I, I don't personally know, but I, but I, you know, we'll uh-huh. get him on here, let him talk about that, cause I know he's excited about that. They're probably gonna <laughs> have a big celebration for him here in Tuscaloosa, but anyway, yeah, you know, I definitely try to get him on here. I just, you know, figured he'd probably be busy traveling, enjoying his, his time at the Super Bowl and whatnot. But we'll definitely get him on the show, talk about his experience. Because, uh, again, he was with the Lions majority of the year, uh, was waived by them, honestly, not too long ago, probably about yeah, a month. I mean, he just got picked up maybe three or four weeks ago. Right, about a month maybe ago. right before the playoffs. Right. And so, yeah, got signed to the practice squad with the Chiefs. But he uh, is very much a Super Bowl champion, so we'll get him on here to talk about that. But definitely want to uh, talk about... Oh, you know what? Real quick. <laughs> you know what else? We know it was probably the highlight of my weekend was actually a couple hours before the Super Bowl. I was running some errands, and guess who I ran into? Uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, no, I did not run into Taylor okay. Swift, I, but it does start with a okay. T. I ran into, into Tommy from Romulus. I ran into Tommy actually yesterday, a couple hours before the game. Uh, so y'all doing shopping for groceries or something? No, I was not in grocery shopping. No, I was in Midtown Village. I was running some errands, and, uh, I heard someone call my name. I was like, hey, that sounds familiar. And I turned around. It was Tommy. So, yeah, I got to catch up with Tommy. We talked a little bit. And, uh, had, nice. yeah, so I saw him calling in. So we'll get him on the lines and probably coming out this next, uh, segment or so when we get to him. But yeah, it was, uh, nice to catch up with him. But yeah, so I, I had a good weekend, man. Super Bowl was good. Food was good. Um, it, and I don't know if you, I know you mentioned softball, but I don't know if you saw the play, but that, that game that they won against Georgia Tech. Yeah, man. Now I think it was, uh, Pruitt that made the play, but, We'll have to get Coach Murphy on here as well, uh, kind of talk about how the season's starting off so far, because I'm sure he's fired up, because they've been playing some good some good ball, and um, 
Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff happening right now. Yeah, right. a lot of good stuff. Well, we're going to get right the gate because we'll just we start right here with the NFL and the Super Bowl. And then, of course, we'll work our way through the show with all these different types of topics and just kind of take a feel where the show is going. Let's start with the Super Bowl 58 um, because this is a shorter segment here. So let's let's start right here. What do you think about the national anthem? Are you cool with it? Are you one of them people that care? Are you counting the seconds, how long it lasts, and then you can X about it or tweet about it? Are you one of them people, or are you one of those like me? I can give two craps. Well, I respect the national anthem. That was one thing. I, I was one, one of the guys that, like, when I hear the national anthem, I, I, when I say I get emotional, I'm not crying, but, I mean, like, to me, like, I just feel very appreciative of, of being in that moment because I, I relate you know, when they're doing the national anthem and then having like the jets flying over, like it's a very moving feeling to me. You know, I'm very, very prideful, very grateful, uh, to be in that position, you know, cause when I think of it, you know, I, you know, I normally use it as a time to kind of even pray a little bit before we, you know, go to war out there. Uh, but I, I'll be honest, what kind of throws me off is I, I guess there's multiple national anthems now. I was kind of confused. I guess there's a black national anthem that they did before. Um, so it, it honestly, it kind of lost me with all that. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't even really know that was a thing, but maybe I need to do a better job with history. I guess it's February. So that, that's all me, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't really, uh, I, I thought Chris Stapleton's last year was pretty dang good. Um, but it's, it's not like it's like I'm going to judge the event off the, the national anthem. Right. I mean, I, you know, I, it's, it's a part that I do enjoy as a, as a former player, you know, it being in that setting, but you know, I just I enjoy the game. You know, I feel like the commercials aren't as funny as they used to be. Halftime performance wasn't bad. Usher, you know, all this, you know, classic songs from when you were a kid. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was overall a pretty decent, you know, uh, show overall. Well, that's the thing I was going to ask you that about the halftime with Usher, Usher, baby. Um, and you, you just go on X and you just, you know, you hear what people are saying. You know what I mean? Uh, but some people get so wrapped up, right? They get so wrapped up and caught up into these things, they gotta say something, right? They gotta make a comment. They are the Sunday uh, pregame show analysts all over. You know, oh, they were lip syncing to the, oh, they, they can't sing, or why they pick her or him to, I mean, there's so many things out there. It's almost hilarious, but I didn't listen to the, the national anthem. I didn't, I didn't hear any of it. I was cooking my, uh, turkey wings and, and my, uh, healthy dip I was making, so I didn't even really pay much attention. I watched all the pregame shows. I didn't, I didn't hear the national anthem, uh, so I can't comment on that, but I did watch the halftime show with Usher. And here's the thing with the halftime show. It's not for everybody, because if you're not of that genre, for one, if you don't like the genre, if you don't like or never listen to the music and all the dancing and, and can appreciate the, the artistry, the artistry and the that, the movement of Usher and singing and, and the condition and everything that goes into that whole performance and Alicia Keys coming out and, you know, all the different rappers that was on, you know, collab with them back in the day uh, coming out. But if you don't never listen to that kind of stuff, you can probably say the halftime sucked. Right. Right? Because that's not who you are. Right. But if you like my age and, and younger, you probably like, okay, man, that's my jam right there. And then, you know, let's keys on the piano looking good to, you know, all these different rappers coming out and dan- jamming and dancing, guys you haven't seen in a long time. You're like, man, that was tight. Now, was it the best one that I've ever seen? No, because I'm going to go to Bruno Mars. I'm going to go to Mike. I'm going to go to, you know, uh, you know, one, people Prince. Everybody saw. loves Prince. Prince. You too, but, you know, people like Prince people, everybody listens to that, right? right. So that's going to get more of an applause. But Usher, it's, it's kind of a, a desired taste. 
I mean, is he though? I mean, he. I thought. I mean, he's a, he's a, no, to me, he's a good middle ground, right? Because I mean, he's. You know, yeah, you're right. Your age and younger, but like, here's the thing: the people that were griping and moaning. I mean, they're the people that that only like the old, old school stuff. Right? Can't please everybody unless you have one performer that's going to appease to the the senior citizens. <laughs> one performer that's going to be yeah. kind of middle aged. Another for the you. I mean, but honestly, like I said, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like you should respect the performers because, like you said. A lot goes into that. I mean, that's not yeah. easy to, to sing, dance, and do all that, changing the tire. And I mean, 20 I thought minutes it was of that. You know I mean, the condition that you can be <laughs> change. I mean, you can't. I have hate to say it, but it's better. It's better than a, a marching band for twenty straight minutes, in my opinion. I, I wouldn't even listen to marching band. Yeah, I'm right. being honest, and, and no disrespect yeah. to you because I, I forgot no, no, the gentleman's name that calls the show that, that yeah. was in our band. But but to me, you know, the, 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 that's entertaining because you don't know who's coming out. Like you said, it always kind of like I thought the like the Snoop Dogg. Dr. Dre, Eminem, that one was oh, that cool. Was really you know good. what I mean? Mary J. Blige, well, that, yeah, that they, they brought out a bunch. Of, yeah, that was. That but but there are some people that I was watching with yesterday. They're like, I didn't really like that one. They didn't really, you know, because the thing about uh, it, it was see, yeah, see, they're like, oh, they're not like dancers. They didn't really perform. But I'm like, see, but you just have to. When Dr. Dre, that the instrumental came on. That's all I needed to hear. You know what I'm saying? Boom. Stuff like that is. When he hear that thing, boom, 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 and the whole everybody yeah. was like, I'm sure every household, even grandmas, even in there, probably <laughs> started dropping like it was hot. Yeah, that's so anyway, When we come back from the break, we'll take a timeout. I will get into this game and why Kansas City won, why Shanahan fell short again after having a 10-point lead. I think it's the third time. One with Atlanta when he's a coordinator, and then two since he's been the head coach at San Francisco. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about should they have maybe deferred in overtime. Uh, that's been the big topic because all the money morning quarterbacks say, oh, they made a huge mistake. Yeah, easy to say that now. We'll talk about that and much more, plus the coaching search and the staff, which is huge news. We'll get into all of that. That's 800-294-8831. What do you have to lose? Call 800-294-8831. Again, 800-294-8831. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of some partial clearing this afternoon, very mild, the high 67. For tonight, the chance of a shower this evening, otherwise fair and turning colder, the low 39. For tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine with a high at 56 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're back here on the Tide 100.9, AM WTBC. For those that are listening and don't have any idea who that is. He gave it away. It's Ursha, baby. It's Ursha. <laughs> From the ATL. That's what we're listening to right there. I mean, hype music, a dude could dance, great businessman. I mean, just finished uh, a residency out in Las Vegas. So I thought he did a phenomenal job uh, with the halftime show. Very, very entertaining. And... Um, Again, I, I, I liked it a lot. But we'll say you. We'd love to hear from you to get your thoughts. Maybe you don't like that genre or, or style of music. And uh, who would you suggest? Let's throw out some suggestions for the Super Bowl halftime show. 205-342-9904. we got some people on hold. we got some people that already sent them app messages. You can do that yourself by downloading that absolutely free Tie 100 
app. Let's get real quickly to the breakdown. I mean, you're right. Uh, what you said earlier, Christian, the first half was ho-hum. No doubt about it. It was kind of boring. It almost looked like it lacked energy. It lacked that, you know, stuff that you would think of the Super Bowl. Um, it didn't happen. Both offenses were very, very lethargic. Um, I think that might be a testament they, to the defenses, though. Man, I'm not like, well, no, it is. I mean, the defenses were playing phenomenal. I mean, yeah, they, you know, again, we say that stuff. but insane, man. Yeah, I mean, they have been. You know, and give Spags his, his, his just due. I mean, Kansas City, Kansas City is in the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl because of their defense. I've said that before about Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, right? Uh, the defense was phenomenal. The defense held serve. I mean, that, if, the, if the defense was bad, that game would have been out of hand, right? They would have been so far behind. No way they could have gotten back into this ball game, but the fact that the defense kept them in the game, kept San Francisco punting the football. They blocked, you know, the kick, or the kicker just kicked the, the ball into somebody's head. You know, they made plays on special teams. I mean, the ball, I mean, this is unfortunate. It just hit the back of a, a, a defensive player. The returner tried to Peter, Peter, Peter. That's the call that we call as returners, like to, to alert the punt return team, get away. Some people say scatter. You know, scatter, scatter means, hey, the ball is in the vicinity. Run. Just turn and run. Um, but sometimes when your back is turned, you can't see the football. That happens. So it hit the guy's leg and, and only, uh, the returner knew that. So he was smart trying to get, get the ball. But the fact is he tried to pick it up and play hero ball and make something really out of nothing when he should have just this recovered the ball up and preserve, you know, the, the downs. That's what he should have done. I mean, he played at Clemson. You probably played against him, Ray Ray McLeod. I played play with him in uh, Carolina. Ray Ray McLeod. You know yeah, he played with Carolina, yeah. They, they waved him uh, because he had, a, like, a special team's mistake or two. When we he there. always makes mistakes. Yeah, he's been around, he's but he's fast. Player. Yeah, I was about to say, great player. But, but, but they, like you said, though, that wasn't his fault, though. He actually was trying to make a good play because he saw it hit his teammate. But right. First, well, it was his fault like, that he tried to pick it up. He should have just, you know, it wasn't his fault he hit the player, but then he should just, he, he was the only one that saw it. So just go fall on the ball and recover it and be done with it. But he tried to play hero ball and try to pick it up and run, and you get hit, and then there you go, and then somebody else, you know, covers of football. But my point is this real quick, and I'll let you have it. It's, the defense was phenomenal, both teams. You know, um, and if you keep giving Patrick, my homeboy, numerous opportunities, he's going to get you. Andy Reid, with his play calling ability, is going to get you. Right, they're going to figure it out, right? You know, you think going in half time, you make adjustments because the best coaches make the best adjustments, right? And they did that. I mean, they had some, you know, self-inflicted wounds themselves, right? They they had to fumble. Uh, you know, he fumbled, uh, I think, with a 10-yard line. They get the big play, the long pass. Uh, they get down there, the next play, they fumble, right? Patrick Mahomes makes a bonehead mistake, throws an interception. So they had turnovers, too. But if you allow this man, who, in my opinion, he is the best quarterback that I've seen. I don't care about the championships in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. I don't. I'm talking strictly quarterbacking. Patrick Mahomes is the best that I ever seen. He's got three Super Bowl titles. He's got three most valuable players of Super Bowls, two uh, uh, in-season MVPs. I mean, they lost to Tom Brady when this whole offensive line was hurt. They played with backups when Tom was at Tampa Bay. I mean, had he had his people, they probably wouldn't have lost that one. And that would have been four Super Bowls, and he's only 28 years old. 
So to me, Patrick Mahomes, I, I'm not even playing that game. The GOAT. Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT. Wow. And you can say, well, this, he, he's won whatever. Tom's won. I don't care because I'm talking about playing the position of quarterback. Right? And again, defense won the game yesterday, but, you know, Patrick was 333 yards, maybe, a couple of touches. But 66 had led the team in passing and in rushing 66 yards, crucial runs in overtime and also there uh, in the second half. So, listen, great win by Kansas City. Uh, you know, you heard what I said about Taylor Swift, but give them credit for what they did. They came back. The defense was phenomenal. They made plays when they had to make the plays. Andy Reid, they were one of the best play callers to ever call offensive plays in the National Football League. Uh, big boy did his thing. And um, so I give Patrick a lot of credit. Now, as far as the four downs, Christian, they had a better team. They had a better roster. But give Brock Purdy a lot of love, too, because I want to talk about this. I mean, a lot of people hating on Brock Purdy, but I got love for Brock Purdy. I thought he played pretty daggum well, right? And um, he had some guys off the ball. The offensive line failed him a couple of times. Had Debo wide open on a touchdown, but Chris Jones smacked him right in the, in, the, in the mouth. He couldn't get it, you know, what he wanted to on the pass. A couple of times Chris Jones made plays that probably could have been huge for the San Francisco four downs. But, but here's what I'll say. Patrick Mahomes of Kansas City, Andy Reid won that game. San Francisco did not lose that game. You can talk about the 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 call and taking the ball versus, you know, deferring to the, to the next one, all that. We got great Monday morning quarterbacks and analysts and blah. They practice this stuff. We can talk about some of the players, 49 which is a little bit embarrassing, not knowing the rules. You can tell they didn't know the rules because they were standing, standing around looking at each other after the touchdown pass was thrown. They didn't know that the game was over. And that's the coach's fault because I can tell you we have meetings, all of these rules when they change, especially for big games. You are, you should be instructed on all of these rules. So if they didn't know, then I put that on the head coach. That's his fault because Kansas City said they went over all of those things. So that's what I, that's what I took away from the game. Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, the Chief, Chiefs Nation won this game. San Francisco didn't lose a game. Is that Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City just won the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you pretty much summed it up there. Um, but I, I mean, if, it, if you're the 49ers, though, I mean, if you're going into the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs and you didn't, you should have been reviewing it all year because that's the new rule. It wasn't just applied for the Super Bowl or postseason; it was all year, I believe. I mean, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you don't at least go into this game. Uh, going over stuff like that, but I'm just going to tell you that's exactly one of the things that made Coach Saban such a great coach um, is that when I tell you we went over any and every scenario possible, any rule. I mean, if the, if, if if this was us, I'm telling I'm telling you right now during fall camp, way before the season even starts, that we would have a meeting strictly on the new rules, and we would probably have a walkthrough kind of going over what exactly we would do in this situation and that stuff. So that is surprising to me that, that you know, they didn't necessarily uh, go over that. But nonetheless, um, you know, like you said, I think Kansas City, you just got to nod your head at them. The, the way they played that fourth quarter, man, uh, you could just sense that, that they really finally started to find their groove. That gutsy fourth and one in overtime. Not, you know, look, I know it's a four down thirty. They got to go for it. They got the ball second. But that play call. It was kind of like a, like a read zone or option play. Pat Mahomes pulls it. Nobody's really expecting that type of play. And he still kind of had the option to kind of dish it to Travis Kelsey. I mean, that, you know, just, you just saw them kind of heating things up. And it was like, oh man, you could, the writing was on the wall. 
I hate it for San Francisco, man. Brock Purdy did his thing. He did, did, played a great game. Again, the defense. But I, I appreciate good defensive play, and that's what we saw. I'm glad you pointed out Chris Jones. Uh, I mean, how he is so vital in this football game. I mean, he, that dude is a monster. Yeah, I mean, he probably interrupted two touchdowns uh, that that for, that uh, can't uh, excuse me that Brock Pur- Purdy would have thrown just by his presence alone, right? And and that's what people got to realize. It's not always about making sacks, getting sacks, right? Because that's what happens when you only look at the stats. When you watch the tape. I'm telling you, that's what Coach Saban used to say, man. It's not about getting sex. It's about affecting the quarterback. And that's exactly what Chris Jones did in some really important moments and the way he was just dominant stopping the run. I mean, I know uh, the 49ers still were able to run the football. Christian McCaffrey had 80 yards. But, you know, against the, the rushing attack of the 49ers, man, they, they did a solid job. And then ultimately they, they got the job done and won another Super Bowl. But I do want to talk a little bit about Travis Kelsey, not for what he did on the field, but actually what he did off the field. Kind of get your thoughts on uh, the whole exchange with Andy Reid, I thought it was uh, way too much. And I, what was weird to me is he didn't really seem or come off very apologetic. Uh, when they asked him about it, he kind of, you know, was laughing about it. But I don't know, man. I, I couldn't imagine a player going and doing that to Coach Saban, any coach, but I'm just imagining, like, if somebody ran and did that to Coach Saban, I don't care if it was the best person on the team, man. I mean, that, to me, that's too far. I mean, physically hitting your coach well, like Coach, that. y'all had a dictator, though. It doesn't matter if it's a dictator. Andy Reid is not a dictator. It doesn't matter if it's who it is. It's a respect right. thing. I think. I think. I think Travis Kelsey is getting a little too big for his britches. If you ask me, man. Uh, it's it, Taylor Swift. Uh, I don't you know got what Taylor it is, Swift but... on your side. Listen, who's gonna bother? Andy Reid knew Taylor Swift before Travis Kelsey did. But anyway, I do have thoughts, and then I was going to get to that. But uh, when we come back, we got people on hold. Let's take some calls. I know we got a couple of Tide One Hundred One. Uh, 100.9 app messages. Uh, we'll do some of those and then we'll definitely discuss that. Plus, Alabama football coaching hires. Uh, what y'all thinking out there? <laughs> y'all still think this is an elite coaching staff? When coaches said, you know what? The eight, man, it don't mean that much because we up out of here. That's pretty, that's a strong message. So we're getting to some of that too as well. Right here in the middle of the edge on the time, 100.9, 1230. COVID-19 shot designed to help protect against recent variants. Learn about a vaccine option and book your COVID-19 shot on ScheduleCovidVax.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Get the middle's edge. Boy, I'm telling you right now, Noah, boy, let me tell you, putting it down. People don't realize how good Usher is. I mean, the dude is just magnificent, man. I, that song right there just put me in the mood that makes me want to just, uh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he was getting a little touchy on Alicia Keys. You know, she's married to Swiss Beats. Nah, I don't care about that. Of course you don't, but if it was your wife, you would have No, no, some people don't care about that. I mean, people I, don't I, care about that. I mean, that's people don't, it's, it's entertainment, about? man. If they're dancing, it's like movies. Like okay, women make right, movies, they, 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 they act right, like they're getting oh. sexed up by men, but they ain't getting no sex. Okay, just, then put your wife on stage and let Usher hump her and put his hands all on her hips like that. It's, it's just entertainment, though, right? 20, 50, yeah, 15, 20 million. No, I'm not talking about the money. Yeah. Okay. 
Yep, we got a we got a not message from uh, Gene in Tennessee. He says he's asking a little bit about uh, just some basics about uh, offensive. He says, is there is are there different ways of conducting coaching an offensive line? That's one question. And what does an offensive line coach actually do? An offensive coordinator? Wait, wait, well, wait, wait. He, what is he? He says, is there any? Are there different ways to coach an offensive line? Are, are there different ways of coaching an offensive line? That will be line? a what yes. That, that's a yes. Do? Two questions. Yeah, so, well, absolutely. There's yeah. different ways to do anything. I mean. <laughs> no, no, but the big answer to the question, yes, is to different ways depending on what you are doing offensively, right? So you're a zone blocking team, which means, you know, hey, we're going to teach our guys to block space. Right, that's going to require a lot more footwork, a lot more hip work. You know, getting a guy turned. It's not more physical than like the one-on-one mono e mono type stuff. So, if you're more of a zone blocking team, like the 49ers did for a lot of years, right? They were undersized. They were never big guys. They blocked more of a space. So they stepped. They ran. They turned. You see this a lot now. And then when the defensive player, right, when the defensive player invades that space, they put their hands on them and try to turn them. Right, that's not very physical. Then you got the, 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 the you know, just really the man on man, foot to foot splits, you know, hips low, drive blocking, trying to knock guys uh, out of their gaps. Right, that's a more physical brand, Duos. which Alabama kind of endorses that that style of play. So those are two types of things. And pass protection is pass protection. I mean, and you have different, so many calls with that. Um, you know, so depending on what you're doing offensive now, because you may want to. Excuse me, handle the, the what the offense, he said offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. Well, no, so firstly, you said, like, uh, that's why I was confused. I mean, I, I didn't know if he meant, like, how you go about coaching. I mean, like, some guys are more, you know, on the board. They're breaking down tape. They're not, you know, and then some guys like doing everything. A whole bunch of walkthroughs while you're at practice. They scream you up. I, I'm a little unconfused on the, the question. I mean, everybody's going to be different. But like you said, if you're talking about, from a schematic standpoint, yeah, I mean, you, you, your your coach is going to ba- basically, you know, uh, 
coach and instill that scheme with his players. And so with this scheme that DeBoer runs, it's more like what you were describing is more of that, that zone-based scheme where yeah. guys have to be agile. They got to move. They got to be able to, you know, basically pull. I mean, there's a lot of pin pull runs that these guys do. I mean, there's all, even in pass pro, they pull, uh, to, to get to, to pass pro a lot. So you got to be very agile, agile and be able to move your feet extremely well. Well, that's why feet. I understand the center that came to Alabama is very undersized, right? Because right. they, they probably pull the center. Right. They put him out in the perimeter sometime, pulling him. And a lot of times it's just it's really window dressing, right? And San Francisco does it a lot. I mean, they'll, they'll run their linemen to the left, so to speak. But the play is actually going to the right. right. They may just because they know the defense is what we were taught to do is read our keys, especially that linebacker inside guys. You know, if a guard pulls, you run. You go. I mean, ain't no hesitation. You gone. Um, so they'll do things like this with the, you know, interpretation of basically running the ball away from where the lineman is going. So you're seeing a lot more of that today. But far as the no C, I mean, just the OC is the OC. He's more the teacher. He's more the one that implements the game plan. He's putting in the plays, right? The position guys are teaching. They're teaching the fundamentals, how to play a position. Um, you know, wide receivers are getting taught, jug machines, running routes, their route tree, uh, off of the line is doing their blocking, whatever that scheme may be. But the offensive line coach is the teacher. He is the guy that's the, the, the mastermind. He is the smart guy that's putting plays, he's doing game plans, he's looking at the defense and saying, hey, we can run this when they're first, when we're first and ten, second and seven, third and five, you know, fourth and goal, blah, blah, blah. All, every situation requires something different. The office, the office coordinator is over those types of things. The position guy, he, he, he puts together the plan, then gives to the other position guys, which now they teach it to the players, okay, here's what we're doing along what we've been working on fundamentally during the week, but now we're into the game plan. This is what we're doing. So now they're teaching that to the players. So that's how all that stuff maybe, is maybe, in a quick way. Maybe, well, maybe what he's asking, because some people just assume that you can just plug and play any coach, and it's like, oh, well, if you got a coordinator, why does it matter who's coaching? You see what I'm saying? Maybe they think like that. Well, here's the thing, right? At the end of the day, yes, the offensive line's job is to block, but different coaches are going to have different techniques that they teach. Some some coaches are actually really good at teaching techniques and, and developing their guys and getting the most out of their players, uh, which I would say Scott Huff was pretty good at developing guys. Again, I mean, he took this offense line at Washington, who probably wasn't the highly, most highly rated guys coming out of high school, but developing them into good football players. Um, so that's something to look at. And then you got some coaches that really are just good recruiters, and they're not the best football coaches, but they're very valuable as a recruiter. But lastly, just about the coordinator thing, um, you got to have an offensive coordinator. I know you got some head coaches that call plays. You've seen Andy Reid obviously do it at a high level, right? But it's, it's number one, it's very time-consuming. It takes a lot. And you're talking about on the college level, Jimbo had taken over play calling duties, and it's it's just it's a lot. I mean, you're talking about being the head coach. You got to recruit. You got to do all these things. Now you're calling the plays. The offensive coordinator is 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 very instrumental, right? I mean, that's why if you can have a guy who's in sync with the head coach and their system, um, it takes a lot of a lot of stuff off of the the head coach. But they're they're responsible for calling those plays, right? The offensive line coach actually normally is involved with the running game because that's pretty much what they're they're all you know locked in on. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, layers to it, but yeah, I mean, an offensive coordinator to in, in, to simplify it, installs the offense, he calls the plays, and he kind of oversees the whole offense as a whole. I mean, and there's input from other coaches. He's the head coach of the offense. Yeah, basically. pretty much. Yeah. So. Um, 
So that's that's kind of the shortest way we can kind of give you that. But um, but yeah, I, I get where you're going with it. So the question going to be, you can't just hire anybody just because people say, well, this is Kevin DeBoer's offense. Yeah, it is. But you can't be the head coach, or the general manager, the kissing babies and hugging mamas and all of that stuff, and then try. It's too much. So you got to have somebody that knows your stuff. We got a whole hour to get into Alabama football. I got a lot of thoughts on that. Well, let me give well. you an but example. Tommy and, uh, coach, well, let me give you an example. Is Coach Saban's defense? You know, he's the guru. But did he ever call plays? No, Coach Saban didn't call plays. Now he could veto plays. But that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's too, it, that just give, just to put well, that out there. He's a major part of the, he's a major part of the game plan. No, game plan, so, but I'm saying, but sure. that's why you have a coordinator so they can actually call it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's have a quick break. Come back. Tommy and others, we see you right there. We're coming right to you. You call, you'll actually talk to me. 205-800-8000. I've got this. No representations made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of some partial clearing this afternoon, very mild, the high 67. For tonight, the chance of a shower this evening, otherwise fair and turning colder, the low 39. For tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine with a high at 56 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Miller's Edge, as always, we stay on fire, just like Alicia Keys said. Her husband listened to the show uh, in New York, and he just hit us up on Twitter. Uh, he says, y'all are worried about the wrong D thing. I don't see the amazing dress covering the entire stadium. Tonight's performance was nothing but amazing with two amazing giants. Congrats at Usher and my love at Alicia Keys. That song is a classic. We don't do negative vibes, he says, on this side. We make history. Go see the Giants at Brooklyn Museum. Open until July. Bless them. So there you go. That's from my spats. A beat, excuse me, Swiss beats on X. So he don't care. Her husband don't. That's why I was saying he thinks about the entertainment factor. There's nothing but but entertainment. All right, let's go to Tommy from Ramos. Tommy, what do you think about uh, Alicia Keys' husband hollering at us about uh, his wife? Wow, y'all getting a bigger fan base. But I got a bone pit with you. You mean I'm not bigger than Taylor Swift and Tulsa Lizza at Midtown? I am hurt <laughs> deeply, Corey. I Me? am hurt deeply. Why? I, I mean, you know, because I said, who did he see? I mean, listen, you're the last person I thought Christian would see at Midtown Village unless we were at that place over there doing wings. I mean, well, and that's that's not football is over, so I felt like, you know, like a Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, why are you out? I figured you probably went to church, got rid of some of your demons that, you know, let go during the week. You know, you got your blessing. You probably ate you some nice cornbread, collard greens, pinto beans, and some fat back. And then you probably sat home like a fat cat and got ready to watch Super Bowl, so I wasn't even thinking, thinking about you. Well, I just got last the Sunday before it rained all Sunday. I stay in this house, I stay in this house, and I'm like, oh my lord, it's 3.15, I thought the clock was going back, but that was the longest day, and it was raining, I said, I'm getting out of the house at least two hours, so I went to the bookstore at Midtown, 
and I did some other things and got some good. I mean, I know Christian, what you must have passed him outside because I know he was not at the bookstore. No, he was getting stuff for the dark web, I think, but I wasn't. Whoa, 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 hold on. I get a, a game controller to my dog chew one way. I don't know about all that stuff. And I actually do go to the bookstore because I actually do read, uh, believe it or not. So, yeah. I mean, Tommy, what do you like to read? I mean, if you go in the bookstore on a Sunday, obviously not, you know, you should have a Bible at home. I guess you can get some Christian books, but what do you like to read? I like history. I like sports. I want different things. I'm going to. I really don't go to the bookstore over there much because I'm going to say something terrible now. I don't know y'all have one in Columbia, but here in Tuscaloosa, we have a friend of the library bookstore where people have donated books, and they sell them pretty cheap hardback, like $24, and I'm like, and these books are nearly brand new. And I'm like, people get through reading them or get them for Christmas or birthday or buy them or they in book clubs, and they, when they get through with them, they donate a lot, man. And I, I like history. I like the Civil War, World War II. I mean, state history. I mean, it just really takes my moment right now. I'm well, I, I know my neighborhood, of pe- there's people that put book stands out next to their house and put free books in them. Yeah. Uh, I went to other bookstore. I picked up two of uh, Dick Saban, uh magazine on him you know, the last 17 years in history. Just to get a new update, you know, new perspective. Well, you should just check with his daughter. She keeps and she'll let you know what's going on with him. Oh yeah, but I mean, it, you know, his whole thing from West Virginia and all that. I mean, you know, it's like a like item. So I think mean, you know, I just, I just want to get out before I got sitting down and start gorging myself on food watching Super Bowl. No, that's good. That's good to do. Let me ask you this, because we're going to talk about this all battling next hour, and you can set us up for this. No offensive line coach, no offensive coordinator. We've we've raved about the offense. weren't worried about. I said I wasn't worried about the offense. I was worried about the defense. Well, now I am worried about the offense. I am worried in which direction that Kalen the boy is going to go because of two pieces that he just lost. Joe Moore award-winning offensive line coach, critical. The offensive line was horrible last year at Alabama. You know, third from last, I believe, or second to last in sacks given up. Uh, so now your guy's out going to Seattle, the Seahawks. Now, you know, Ryan Grubbs is out. So that being said, I mean, are you extremely nervous now? I know people say, well, it's Canada board offense. But not, you don't have no I'm coaches. I'm, I'm concerned because... I, it just for some reason, Brian Grubb, we tried high him last year, he didn't come. Everybody made a big deal out of it, but Georgia tried high him too, and he didn't go to Georgia. I just think he won't stay in the Pacific Northwest, I mean up there around Seattle. You know, and that's where his area, he calls his family, that's fine. I don't know, I kind of hate that he took off at the line. I think that hurts to me. And there's a good the line might be the biggest, biggest problem. And, uh, I'm just, I mean, every week it seems like in the coaching circle, especially in college football, it's a three-ring circle. You have a head coach of UCLA, he come in the offensive coordinator, Ohio State, then you have the Ohio State offensive coordinator now leaving to 
become a head coach of Boston College, and it just seemed like and nobody wants to be a head coach or everybody be getting opportunity to go to the pro football. They driving it. They driving it. Nobody wanted that. They don't like the, the NIL and collectors and have recruiting. I mean, so guys like man, I can get, I can make more money, and and this be like my job, like nine to five. I get to go home and be with my family. I ain't got to go around and chapstick 15, 16, 17 year olds. So I mean, you can't really blame them, can you? No, no, no. I'm just saying they got to get a grip on this. This is getting out of hand. I mean, it's, I'm gonna say yeah. something. Get feedback from it. You can't let 16, 17, and 18 year old run your program. And this crowd is gonna get a, in high school. It's already in high school. I mean, it just, I mean, and they just. Now you heard what Mike Lossley just said, former New York Giants. I mean, excuse me, I'm watching, I'm looking at a thing on New York Giants. Former Alabama Crimson Tide Office Coordinator, now head coach of the Maryland Tur- Turpins. He just said you had a third string running back asking for a yard, 100,000. Did you see that, Christian? Yeah. It, it, I mean, I mean, I hate to see this commercial. I see it every weekend with the basketball, football, you know, especially for women's sports. They say, well, you get the scholarship to play soccer or gymnastics, you leave the school, you too, debt free. Well, it's not about them wanting to be debt free and get college education. It's all about the money. I understand the money, you I understand that. But what happened? When you go from one school to another school, three years, you have three different schools, and you decide to go to pro, and you don't make it in three or four years, you wash out. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I want to go back to college. And the three schools going to look at you like, no, nah, man, you weren't committed to us. We don't have to give you know, honor our scholarship. Is it going yet? Nah. Before, I mean, yeah, it's, it, going- it's on its yeah, way. Oh, yeah. And it does awful. I'm happy about softball. I mean, we five and oh, and I'm looking forward yeah. to Yeah. I'm looking Patrick forward Murphy, to baby. Christian going to get him on this week, so I'm looking forward to that because, you know, he replaced it on a legend, though. But seems like he got some people that can do it. Well, yeah. And I'm impressed with that, people. I know the girl pitched a no-hit on Thursday night. Oh, we got another Montana. No. Oh. But the labor hold her yet. Let her be her own person. That's I right. Mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm well, with label. Oh, this guy. That it's too early to even start that. I know. Way too early to start that. Montana Faust is a legend. Don't disrespect her name like that by just after a few no. games putting somebody in that same conversation. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely. Ridiculous. We had the top dollar break, Mr. Tommy from Romulus. I appreciate you, brother. Next time I will say, when Christian asked me, I'm going to say, Tommy, I don't care where it's at. It might be in New York City. Guess who I saw today? Tommy from Romulus in New That's York right. City. That's what I'm going to say. Because right. you are the most famous. All, All right. right, brother. Thank you. There he is. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. That's my man, getting them some nice Nick Saban magazines. All right, we're going to hit the top of the hour break. When we come back, But what Kel, uh, Travis Kelsey did yesterday on the sidelines, Andy Reid bumping him, yelling and cussing him. Is that cool? Did he go over the line? What's your thoughts on that? And we're going to talk about Alabama. Is this coaching staff, this is, what I'm, this is a question I got for you today. Was this all set up? Because the timing looked like this was all rigged, in my opinion. 
I mean, that 30-day window was just getting over with. Now Grubbs is out. Did they know about this thing the whole time? Wonder why we didn't hear about these jobs. Maybe that was a problem because Grubb wanted to go back to Seattle. So we'll talk about that the rest of the way through the next hour. We're going to tie 100.9, AM, WTBC. Quick time out. We'll be back. Our number two on the way is sponsored by a good friend at the Good Feet Store. America's art support expert. Go to Midtown Village. You can see Tommy from Ramos, Christian, and everybody else, especially the folks there at the Good Feet Store. Douglas and his gang, excellent people. A try before you buy will take excellent care of you. Get you fitted up in those inserts. And I promise you, knee pain, hip pain, back pain, all of that pain will subside and get you right where you need to be. So go see Douglas and his gang. The Good Feet Store right there in Midtown Village. Number for the program, 205-342-9904. Let's talk, let's, let's start with this. Let's start Alabama, Christian, because one, one thing I thought about, in fact, I think you texted me when Grubb was leaving. I didn't get it to the next morning because I went to sleep early. I'm not shocked by it. We talked about it. I mean, there was a lot of smoke surrounding this situation anyway. You know, now you, you lose your offensive line coach. I think it's a huge problem for Alabama. I think it's a huge, uh, a huge issue and it's going to be tough to replace, even though he hadn't done anything yet here. But if you go by his pedigree, which a lot of people do, being a Joe Moore win coach, having one as the center coming here was a big problem for Alabama last year with McLaughlin. Um, it's a problem and I think. It's amazing to me, a lot of people not really looking at it as such, Christian, because I think they just think it's a plug and play that Kevin DeBoer knows people, there's people on the staff that he can bring up. You know, I don't want to get into who should be or who could be the next offensive coordinator. I'm just telling you, I have no idea. I, I, I mean, I'll be just throwing names out there just like anybody else. I don't know. You know, if it's a guy from, you know, Murphy from, I think his name from uh, Missouri, who knows? I don't know. I just wait and see who they hire and then talk about it. So that being said, though, my concern is the timing of it. Do you think, and this is what I think, I want to ask before I ask you, I, I think they already knew that he was probably not going to be the office coordinator at, at, 
at uh, Alabama. I, I feel like the timing, they just held him around, let him recruit, let him go talk about this offense, let him go get guys fired up about it. But they knew that this was going to happen because of the timing. I mean, they never released, really. I mean, and then last week he said, you know, hey, I'm you know, Ryan Grubb and I'm your at that Red Elephant deal. I'm your offensive coordinator, which we've seen that happen before. We go back even to Nick Saban was at Miami. I'm not going to Alabama. Next thing you know, he's having a press conference at Alabama. So we know coaches lie, right, about these types of deals. But, but to me, I mean, I'm just reading into this. When you look at the timing, when you look at he never really was out there, never changed too much till late, his pitcher and his wiki, all of this stuff, it almost, and then Greg Bernstein, they, they had an idea, right? He said he told, I guess, one of the websites, one of the people there at Alabama that they're not shocked by this, that they kind of already knew or had an idea, so they've been talking about it or they've been preparing uh, to, to, to re, you know, replace. So that tells me that they already knew this deal. And that tells me that he never was really in tune to being the offensive coordinator at Alabama. That tells me that if this is another effort to secure, which I'm not mad at them, uh, to secure recruits, one in particular that I'm talking about. I think that was a big deal to get him re-signed and get him comfortable. I think that's just part of the game of recruiting. And I don't think Alabama's the only team. I mean, I think they all do this. I mean, I was at an event just the other night at South Carolina, and I was talking to my, my buddy, um, big, big boost, and, and he was talking about a particular coach. And I'm like, man, he just didn't introduce them. Like, man, he's just not, he's disconnected. Well, next thing you know, he leaves and said, hey, he's going to Illinois to be the wide receivers coach. He just got, I call it a demotion as the tight end coach, the receiver here at South Carolina. So I'm just saying that these things, they have to play this game, whether you like it or not. You might sit and go, well, you've been negative. No, it's just the way it works. But if you got, if, if, if you got a guy that you know that wants to go, don't want to leave Seattle, he likes you, but if you got a chance, because coaches talk a lot more than you think they do, to be an officer coordinator of a national football team in Seattle where he lives, he's got his house, his family, everything is normal there. It just makes all the sense in the world. But I do believe, Christian, that it was all, I think they already knew. And I think they just try to save face with recruits uh, and get this thing done because of the timing. And then right after the 30-day window, guys didn't jump and leave to getting guys they need to get. Now you can say, hey, I'm not coming along with the offensive line coach. We're going to Seattle. I think that's what happened. I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to believe anything differently. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, what's confusing to me is, I mean, if, if, that was, if they knew they weren't going to be here, why would they even waste the time coming? I, I think they took the jobs here. Knowing that there could be some potential that, look, because remember, first, let's start here. Washington interviewed Ryan Grubb to be the head coach as the next head coach at Washington, right? That fell through, and so he took the job here. So I don't think it was, you know, set in stone just yet, but I think what happened was he got, he took the job here. He was here probably several days. Then Seattle comes calling. Uh, but what's confusing, though, is you got this this article from the Seattle Times that says, though the Seahawks had interest in Grubb from the start, one reason for waiting to make the hire official was to allow the 30-day window for Alabama players to enter the transfer portal pass. I, I, to me, I don't know how true that is. Maybe they decided they wanted him to be their guy seven days, ten days into him being in Alabama, and they 
decided, hey, let's wait a little bit. I don't know. I mean, to me, I just I think he he did plan on being a coordinator here. Else, why would he even waste the time coming down here at all? Right? He might he might as well just stay put in Washington if he knew that uh, much in advance. But um, yeah, maybe he did know a week or so ago. But realistically, how many guys would have left? I don't think that many guys would have uh, if we're just being transparent. Because this is what you got to remember: the portal opens back up in April, and even if they left around this time, a lot of schools already ended their whatever it's called their enrollment period for spring, so they wouldn't even have been able to participate. Just like I was saying about when people were like, "Oh, Coach DeBoer, you know, basically was able to retain like 92% of the, the signing class." So I'm like, we got to remember, you know, about 90% of them were already early enrolled. And if they left now, it would be hard for them to really get going at another school. They might as well just at least wait it out in the spring. So it's a similar situation here. But, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely – I will say this. I, I do believe it's going to have the next man up mentality. But at the same time, I, I think people that are trying to minimize it and say, oh, well, how can we, you know, be upset when he never even coached here? Uh, because the possibility of having an upgrade at the offensive line coach, the possibility of having an upgrade as an offensive coordinator to – areas that a lot of people were complaining about this past season so i get you trying to be positive and you should be but don't minimize it as if like oh well it doesn't matter we didn't need him anyways i mean he was one of the most respected play callers in the country hence why coach Saban tried to hire him georgia i think tried to hire him they tried to hire ryan grubb right then again the offensive line coach responsible for that joe moore award winning offensive line last season so definitely some big losses but is it time to panic no i said that in my video uh there's definitely going to be some some ground to be covered but they'll figure things out but let's talk some more about this we got to head to another break uh make sure we uh let these bills get paid but again you listen to the miller's edge right here on tide 100.9 12 30 a.m wtbc again we are presented by the good feet store america's art sport experts it's tribe before you buy you got nothing to lose so head on over to the good feet store midtown village or go to goodfeet.com to schedule an appointment and find the nearest location to you again that's good feet Improving quality of people's lives two feet at a time. We'll be right back after a quick timeout. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. News in college football today. UCLA announced Deshaun Foster as its next head coach. Foster played running back for the Bruins and then spent seven years in the NFL. He was the running back's coach for UCLA for the last seven years and was just hired for that same role by the Raiders last week. But with Chip Kelly departing for Ohio State, Foster is headed back to UCLA. Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions again, beating the 49ers 25-22 to in overtime. Coach Andy Reid confirmed he'll return for next season as the Chiefs look to become the first franchise to three-peat as Super Bowl champs. In the NBA, the Athletic Reports, Miami Heat guard Josh Richardson suffered a dislocated right shoulder. He'll be reevaluated in a... Fruit Credit, PTG Outdoors, open Monday through Friday, 8 till 5, in the old LML Marine location in Northport. Call 333-1605. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. And welcome back to the Miller's Edge right here on Tide 100.9, 1230 AM WTBC, the home of Alabama sports. Again, we are presented by the Good Feet Store, America's arts support experts. We're talking about 
uh, the departure of Ryan Grubb, uh, the brief offensive coordinator for the University of Alabama, along with Scott Huff, uh, the offensive line coach. And, uh, yeah, I just want to dive back into kind of just basically wrap my thoughts up on it. And if you haven't, I posted a video on our YouTube channel, at the Miller's Edge on YouTube. Go check that out now. But to recap what I said on there and my thoughts on it, is this again? Um, is it a big loss? Yeah, it is. Is it time to panic? No, you know we, we, we're going to recover and we'll find some people. But it is it is enough to have some concern, right? And if you minimize the significance of losing two really good football coaches that were set to replace some areas of weakness, in my opinion, for this team last year, I don't think you're being very transparent with yourself. But here's here's the thing, you know, Ryan Grubb, uh, offensive coordinator, came here from Washington. I mean, you can't blame the guy taking a job with Seattle, like you said. Uh, look, he's going right back home where his family is, is all, where his family is at, all those ties there. He gets to coach in the NFL. From everybody that I've talked to, you know, Coach Grubb was a very X's and O's guy. You know, he's a, he's a ball coach. Probably wasn't the biggest on recruiting. I'm not saying he can't recruit, but just from people that know him, what I was told is, you know, he, he, he loves watching tape, breaking football down. I, I don't think recruiting is, something that really excites him. Now, I could be wrong, but that's from everybody I spoke to. That's what I got. So it makes sense. And then Scott Huff following him, right? Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, you, you you lose out on having a, a really good offensive line coach to work with these guys here. And uh, we'll have to see who they end up bringing in. But to the people that are saying, like, oh, well, Coach DeBoer can call it. Yeah, it's his system. You're 100% right. You know, he worked with Coach Grubb a long time. He's the head guy. Uh, but like we talked about with the question from the, the Tide app, that's just a lot, man. And, and it, it takes so much off of a head coach when you can have a trusted coordinator who is a guy like Grubb who's highly respected in the coaching world for his play call and they can work with guys. Another another thing you miss out with Coach Grubb um, is that developmental factor, right? I mean, Coach Grubb worked with a guy like Michael Panix. I know DeBoer did as well, but Coach Grubb was the, the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator working with Michael Penix who led the FBS in passing yards last season, right? A lot of people have been excited about the potential of Coach Grubb getting to work with Jalen Milrow, you know, bringing the most out of him, getting him to play to his full ability, improving his game as a passer, as a quarterback. So there's a loss there. And, you know, you just got to move on. Some key, you know, names that have come up, like I said, I don't like trying to predict anything, but you can look at the the other staffers that they brought in. You know, Nick Sheridan, he's got experience uh, calling some plays, limited experience. Um, but you also have Jamarcus Shepard, again, very limited experience calling plays. They've done it before, I think, in brief stints. Uh, but the problem is, you know, Nick Sheridan coaches the tight ends. So that means you'd have to basically move him over to quarterback's coach slash offensive coordinator because typically the offensive coordinator always works with the quarterbacks. So then you have to hire a tight end coach, and you also have to hire an offensive line coach. So we'll have to see. Now, Greg Byrne was asked by the Tuscaloosa News uh, before the LSU game, uh, his thoughts on, on Coach Grubb leaving, and he basically said that, hey, you know, we knew this was a was a possibility, and we had been kind of preparing uh, for the scenario, so we're going to have to just basically put that into action. So we'll, we'll see what they come up with. But uh, again, my thoughts on it are: it, it is a significant loss. There's no no doubt about it, especially when you add in the fact that Coach Huff is also leaving. Now, luckily, I think uh, Coach. Uh, the wide receiver coach Marcus Shepard is staying. That that would have been that would have made that loss even greater. But luckily, I think he's staying. Now you could 
try to let those two guys be co-offensive coordinators while Coach DeBoer works with Mm -hmm. them and and tries to assist them in that role, I don't think that's necessarily the way to go. I think you need to hire somebody who's experienced, a guy with some experience that also has some ties to Coach DeBoer's Kirby Moore. He's the offensive coordinator at Missouri. He's also the brother of Kellen Moore, uh, who was with the Cowboys. I think he's now with the Eagles. He's an offensive coordinator in the NFL that, um, you know, is highly thought of. So, I mean, he's a guy you can look at, but we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, the, the, the thing is, though, I mean, yes, could Coach DeVore call plays? Sure. But, again, you, you, in my opinion, you just you got to have a, a an offensive coordinator, man. I mean, they're installing the offense. They're working with those guys. I mean, the, the head coach, you talk about in college having to recruit and all that, it's, just, it's too much, man. So we'll have to wait and see, but definitely a big loss. And I, I know we do have some ad messages. No, were, were any of those about? Um, this this situation with Ryan Grubb, I'll let my dad respond real quick while you pull those. Well, listen, here it is. Caleb DeBoer, Greg Byrne, and all of them knew that this was going to happen. They kept him around to get Caleb DeBoer settled. I'm, this is my thoughts of the conversation. Hey, I'm really not interested in going down to Alabama, Southeast, where I don't really know anybody. We don't know a lot. Tough tough division of football, the hardest in all the college football. But right now, you know, so-and-so is supposed to get said job at Seattle, and if he does, I'm going to be the top guy. And if that comes to fruition, then I am going to take said job, right? And that happened. So what they did was Kalen went to, to Coach Grubb and said, basically, this is my thoughts, just my thoughts, I'm not saying the facts. Hey, this is go. This is going to happen. He said, "Well, can you just wait till the thirty-day window is up, so that we don't?" I know what the situation looks like. I know the guy, the twenty-four class of You listen, but I'm gonna stay right here until that thirtieth day, and then I'm out. Right? So they knew about this. They knew, and they did it to preserve players. Because they knew after 30 days, the difficulty to leave is going to be tough. Go through spring, give us a chance to see what you look like, give us a chance that you can see what we look like, and then make a decision if you're going to get up out of here or not. That's what's happening. Because there's no certainty that guys from this 24 class is going to stay. Maybe they like it, maybe they don't. Right? Now you got, you don't have an office coordinator. You know, so if I'm carrying the board, what I would do, and just, this is, if this is your offense, I'm stepping up and saying, hey, I'm calling the place. I'm doing what I do. I'm, I'm going to change something different, and I'm going to be that guy. Because you can't go out and bring some guy that they're not familiar with. That ain't going to happen. So this is, to me, That's a fair this, point. this is a huge, huge blow for Alabama, losing these two guys. The place that I felt the most comfortable confidence with was this offense. Well, guess what? I don't now. I don't care whose offense you say it is. Well... We know that Mr. Grubb has been with Kalen for the majority of his stints and been this guy for sure since he's been the head coach. Quick time out. We got tons of app messages on Tide 100.9. We'll read those. We got phone calls to a 534-2904. We'll do- Visit meswins.com. I've got this. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of some partial clearing this afternoon, very mild, the high 67. For tonight, the chance of a shower this evening, otherwise fair and turning colder, the low 39. 
Report. Tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine with a high at 56 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Let me just, all right, we're, we're back on the Miller's Edge. Let me just stop him right there. Right here on Tide 100.9, 1230 AM WTBC. I needed to go ahead and cut that. No, you kill it, dog. No, you're doing great. He is doing great. I, I, I mean, I could do without your singing, but he's doing a phenomenal job with the music. Um, real quick, though, before we go to those those Tide app messages, one one thing I will say to to my point, what I was saying was the with the Coach DeBoer of Calm Plays. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, there, there's other examples. Josh Heupel from Tennessee. I forgot to mention that one. I mean, he he's a guy that calls. So you definitely can do it. Um, it's, to me, I just I, I think having a guy like Grubb just takes a lot. Uh, it, it gives it, it gives the head coach a lot of relief. Uh, but so that's what if, if that happens. So that's what I'm saying. He, if if they do promote Coach Shepard or Nick Sheridan or have them as co-offensive coordinators, I definitely could see Coach DeBoer being the play caller. Right, or, or walking them through things. Just Man, they better not. They better not. Sheridan. But listen, I get what you're saying. But, but but okay, then who would you hire? You just said you wouldn't want an outsider who doesn't know the system, which I I think I agree. I think that makes perfect sense. So then, who do you hire? I, I don't know. Maybe I mean Kirby Moore. He I go find them. a name. I mean, because this is right here. Here's the deal. This is one of these things you got to go spend the money to get somebody to leave their program. Oh, you're going to have to poke somebody. Right, you're gonna have to poach and you're gonna have to pull out the wallet. You're gonna be two and a half million dollars type of guy. Somebody that's known that these recruits know that people want to play for. That's you. I mean, I would, if I you go hire. Say, I would almost hire if, if Coach DeBoer is going to be that involved in play calling. I would use this opportunity to get a coordinator who is a hell of a recruiter. And in my opinion, that's what I would do. I would get a guy that's well known as a hell of a recruiter because uh, I, I think if you're going to be calling the plays anyways, that that would make the most sense, right? Yeah, I mean, you gotta, but that's, that's, you know, you got, I was with Joe Dickamillis, right, the other night, last week. Joe Dickamillis is at South Carolina, was at Texas as a special teams coach. He's a great friend of mine. He's a son-in-law of, 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 rest in peace, Dan Reeves, my coach at the New York Giants. Um, played at South Carolina and I know him and his wife really well. It's a blessing to see them now that Shane Beamer has hired him at South Carolina. We talked about all this stuff because he's not, he's, he knows pro ball. You know, but he went to Texas last year, but you know, he's at the, at the point where he'll do what he needs to do. He ain't going to be on the road recruiting guy. You know what I mean? And so you got to have somebody that can recruit, right? And he's doing special, he's a coordinator, but you got to have people that knows areas, knows people, knows high school coaches. Yeah. So if whoever you hire, recruiting going to be probably in the forefront, right? Yep. So even if you say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do the offense at least this year. And call plays and be over it. I'm gonna be the guy. Then do. I think that's your best option, unless you can go find somebody that will turn heads for these kids in recruiting. They yep. say, "Hey, I want to go play for this guy, right?" A well-known dude, which we know you don't have to pay two and a half to three million dollars for that guy. So, you know that that's just where 
in my opinion, where they are. Uh, you know, uh, Tia is saying, you know, man, basically that by them staying didn't keep guys here. I disagree. I think they played a timeline game. Because, as you said, the majority of the 24 kids are enrolled already, except for, what, three? Something right? like that, yeah. Right, so you get, okay, especially offensive guys, and we said, hey, we got our offense intact, we got grub, we got the offensive line coach, everything is boom, boom, boom. It does matter. Yeah, it does matter. I, I think they're misunderstanding. I think they, they think of it like, oh, well, they didn't just go, oh, we want to play for grub specifically. But I think guys, they met him. They got to see kind of right. his product, and they were buying into him and his product. Right. So, and plus, I'll say this as a player: uh, if he would have left, that look, that that kind of removes some of that stability, right? Because now, like you said, now they're offensive quarter coordinator less. They don't have one. And so if the portal was open, I wouldn't be shocked if a couple guys maybe were like, you know, we don't really know what the game plan is. Because remember, the whole thing about, you know, this coaching search, they wanted to get a coach in place and have him hurry up and hire staff so guys knew who they'd be working with. So I, I disagree with Tia as well. And I, even though I said earlier, I get I said earlier, I don't think too many guys would react. But I think some guys probably would say, hey, I mean, we don't really know who the coordinator is still. We're only a few weeks from spring ball. I might just go ahead and test the waters. But... I mean, to each his own, I guess it's all subjective, right? I mean, unless you interview every single damn player, which I don't have interest in doing. Right, but my point is, we know being a part of that situation, been in the situation and understand what goes into it, there is people. Um, right. That, uh, that's going to think otherwise. Yeah, I know. I think she's, you know, it's easy to, I think it's she's easy to say, oh, nobody did none of them. Yeah, you, we know better than that. Well, that's all that's, I'm saying. I, I think she's nervous. thinking it's only, we're, we're referring to him, like just specifically him as a coach. I'm not saying that. I think they're more bought into, hey, this is the coordinator that Coach DeBoer trusted in and brought with him from Washington who produced these results, who did these things, or this is the offensive line coach who was responsible for the Joe Moore award winning offensive line. It's not like they're saying, like, oh, man, we want to play for this guy specifically. It's just because, you know, they got to know them. They're buying into what they're selling. But, uh no, let's get to those app messages real quick, if you don't mind, because I think those are also uh, about Coach Grubb. Yeah, we've got one from Jackson that says, uh, Corey, you might be right about Ryan Grubb, but according to local media here in Spokane and Seattle is that uh, the Seahawks were interested in Chip Kelly. I believe the Seattle media stating the timing for the Grubb hire was about the portal window. It's just sour grapes at Coach KD leaving for Alabama. Wish Grubb luck in Seattle. Yeah, that could be true. That's what I was saying. I, I almost yeah. think that the, the Seattle reporter, I mean, they just put that in there. I mean, could that have been the case? Maybe. But to me, again, that that doesn't make sense because if you knew he was the guy that way back when, you know what I mean, why would he even waste time coming here? You see what I'm saying? Like, if you knew he was a guy from uh, initially before he really got hired, because uh, they said from the window when Coach Saban retired, Grubb wasn't hired here until a few days, uh, at, at the earliest a few days after Coach Saban retired, because it took co- them, uh, what was it, like seven, how, however long it took them to find Coach DeBoer, right? So I, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, so maybe that report was wrong. So was there another? Do we even, do we even classify these two dudes as Alabama coaches? They ain't coach one play. I can't even call them Alabama. They're still watching me because, yeah, yeah in, in theory, they signed the paperwork. I guess they signed. Maybe they didn't sign. I don't, I don't know if these obviously. I don't even think they did sign, so I don't even think, well, you should even relate them to Alabama well, football. I, well, they were here wearing the uniform on the road a little bit, but I will say, I, I, there obviously is some type of issue, and it could have something to do with the buyouts. You got to think about it. These coaches are coming from, they're under contract with their former universities. 
maybe that's some type of holdup. That's why, because I mean, it, it's going on several weeks now, and nobody is like officially on the the website of the university, or there's no official press release from the university. At least I haven't seen. It. I know we see the Twitter bios and whatnot, but I think there might be some contractual yeah. issues going on. Noah, is there another one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, two more, so more. I saw a quick one that just came in. Rodney says the uh, Alabama jet just flew over Northport uh, about to land. Wonder where it's been. OC hunting, maybe? But uh want to get to this one from uh, KJ in Atlanta. Got a longer one here. He says, we're not blaming an OC and OL coach for going to the NFL in this climate, especially when Grubb spent a lot of time with Huff working with the OL. Sheridan will likely be promoted to OC. I'm not head over heels for it, but we wouldn't be questioning whatever OC Kiffin or Sark hired. He can call his plays like Sark calls his own now. KJ. KJ. I mean, that's another example, Sark. That's another example. Hey, uh, I mean, right. But they, they do need to go. I think, I think NFL has to be the avenue you go. I don't, I don't know where the plane is or been. Um, that's a good avenue to see that. I guess it got a big A on it around the wing. Maybe <laughs> something like that. Um, maybe they got somebody, but I would think because they've known about this for two weeks at least, right? They've probably been interviewing people if I had to guess. Um, I would think that they already have an inkling or may have offered even some folks uh, for the, this particular job. I mean, I think this this is a big deal. I mean, this is not some, as many folks are um, not, but see, here's my, this bothers me. When people just, you know, they got on here and they shout, like we took phone call at the phone call, people and, and how great and, and, and this elite coaching staff, right? And I think a lot of that was because of Grubb and the offensive line, right? We're getting a Joe Moore woman off the line, and that was one of our weakest links last year. We, we, bam, we addressed that need. We got a guy that can freaking dial up, take that number two pencil out, and Ryan Grubb and, and dial up plays on, on the sideline. Listen, we're good. But now they're out. And people are saying, well, you know, it's Kaden the Boys offense. That is such a lazy, weak, Come back because you better go find your coordinator. Came on the board, you're replacing the GOAT. And your time is really is about being a CEO now, an out front person. Because you don't have the resume of one Nick Saban and you can be and control and dictate. He did that because his resume said he could do that. Right, seven national titles, and you can tell the media I'm only answering, you know, certain questions. And if you ask a question, I'm going to tell you what you you can ask, or you're not getting a question. I'm not letting my coordinators talk to the media. That's dictatorship, right? You ain't coming to practice no more. Not even in 10 minutes. That's dictatorship. Why could he do that? Because he earned the right to do it. I don't care what we say about NIA, NAIA. Pac-12, Indiana, he still hasn't earned the right, and he needs to focus on being the out-front person. See, head coaching is not just X and O's anymore. You better be good at all the other BS stuff, and that's what it becomes. Let's be honest. Excuse my language. But that's what it becomes in recruiting and and, 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 and all of these board members to all of it, boosters, that's why I call it chapstick. And you got to do a lot more than just say, hey, I'm going to draw it up on the sidelines. Nah, you got a bigger job than that. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue this conversation. I'd love to hear from you, 205-342-9904. Are you concerned? Do you think all this was kind of pre-calculated? 
five quarts of Castrol Edge or Edge High Mileage full synthetic and an oil filter for $36.99. Only at AutoZone. Claim based on sequence 3H test versus API SP test limits. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. And we're back here on the Miller's Edge, right here on the Tide 100.9-1230 AM WTBC. Christian Miller, Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, and Noah, his last name is Johnson. Johnson this week, the best reader in all of Alabama. So send in those uh, Tide 100.9 free download to your smartphone, to your computer, to your tablet, and you can uh, leave your thoughts, comments, or questions right there. Number for the show... Through uh, 205 That's 205-342-9904. Let's go to the phones. Let's talk to my good friend Ellis. Welcome in to the Miller's Edge, Ellis. Are you singing good while I go? Well, my son said I was all out of beat and all this stuff. And, he, you know, he, you know, I got a lot of talents that praise the Lord are giving the he, glory for the gift to me. He's just jealous. Is that what it is? Jealous. You know, I've been on major yeah. stages yeah. with major, you know, singers and Ellis, you know, Grammy winners. I, I promise you, I don't have a jealous bone in my body for anything that man does. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to hit me with that. your best shot. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on and hit me with your best shot. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Ellis, what do you uh, think about the basketball talk game? Talk about music. Talking about music, you know, you had to say, to me, the best uh, halftime show that's ever been in my book was Prince. Whoa. You, you were still in Russia. No, he was awesome. He's an awesome uh, singer, guitarist, you know. Uh, yeah. Did you know, that, uh, Ellis, the lady named her that came out with the guitar? Isn't she awesome? Do what now? Uh, she did I, a good job. Yeah, she did do Her name so is she was actually playing. She's yeah. in the uh, halftime show with Usher. She won the lady with the long hair and the shades with the guitar. She is phenomenal. Uh, it's pretty amazing how they uh, choreograph everything, you know, and how they've done all that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But uh, well, I heard you say something about the basketball game. Mm. Maybe they'll have Taylor next year. What'd you think about the basketball game this weekend, Ellis? Hey, I loved it. Who's the young man that uh is he a freshman? Who Pringle? Uh, no. Number twelve. Uh, well, I, uh he scored a bunch of points. He got twenty one points. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I only caught it. Make you wanna, it makes you think like you want to say spree world world, but it ain't that. It's I can't think of his name. Right, so? I'll pull up the box. I don't know. I mean, number 12. I think, he got, I think he got the, well, he got the hard hat. I'll be honest. Uh, Ellis, if I'm being honest with you, I caught glimpses of, I don't know, but I'm just curious your thoughts. I know you always catch them, but um, uh, I know I thought it was right has been playing some really good basketball. He had 21 points. I'm assuming that's probably who you're talking about, if I had to guess. But, uh, yeah, man. That's good that they got the job done. My dad was saying that was a big one for them to win, and they got the job done. Yeah, and they won on the road like that. Like, uh, in in, in uh, big fashion, they won on the road. Their uh, their defense looked better. Uh, uh, just all around good. Uh, I'm excited. 
I'm about ready to go when it's coming. It's going to be coming up. I'll be down for the the Tennessee game. Yeah. Here's my problem, though, Ellis. I mean, you still give up 92 points. I, you know, I know they had some spots where they played pretty good defensively um, in the ball game. I mean, everybody's talking about Pringle, who who's definitely was suspended for a little bit, and then we came back to the Auburn game uh, on the road, and uh, he had I think he had 17 in that ball game, I believe, and probably the best game that he's played uh, in a while. So. Yeah, so you are talking about rights over the 21 points. Um, but listen, I, you know, I, I think this, they were balanced. I mean, Sears had another good game, 23, Griffin 16, Strada has 15, you know, Pringle 17. So when you look at the offense, you know, across the board, are they pretty good? Grant Nelson still underwhelming to me. Uh, he only has seven points in the ball game, but. To beat Alabama, you can't. You don't want to get in a, a scoring match, right? You don't want to try to outshoot them, no. outscore them. No. You beat them by playing great defense and, and, and you know, causing havoc for them offensively, uh, because they haven't arrived nowhere near where they need to be defensively to be, uh, uh, you know, a major, major opponent in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, can they score mm-hmm. most people? Absolutely, but defensively, they are still a mile away. From trying to compete at the highest level, when because you're gonna you're gonna find teams in the NCAA tournament that's that's veteran oriented. You know, the, even some of the smaller schools, the guys stay four years, right? They don't leave early, they don't hit the portal, they just stay at the school, and they become good basketball teams. And they defeat teams like Alabama, some of the bigger Power Five programs. So I'm still concerned. I mean, you won the game. Look at the score, 109 to 92. I mean, you, you almost give up 100. I mean, that's that's ridiculous mm-hmm. to me. Uh, and LSU's got a got a big uh, got a big guy there too, you know, that scored a lot. You know, that's the ones that's been having them bigger fellers, like uh, more bigger than our fellers, is one that we've been having trouble with. To me. Yeah, they had they had you know they had some guys. You know, Baker had twenty four. You had Cook with twenty, and then Ward had fifteen. But other than that, I mean, they were they were whole home. You know what I mean? So that that was a win. I thought it was a must win after losing to Auburn. Now they're still in first place. Ellis, um, they control their own destiny. I mean, the schedule was going to get you know to get tight down the stretch. Tennessee lost uh, to A and M. Uh, Auburn lost to Florida. They was totally out of whack. I mean, so this is a team that uh, this is in good shape. They tied with South Carolina, but they have the the tiebreaker over South Carolina because they defeated them at home. So they still in good shape, but man, they got to play better defense. Oh yeah, and uh, I'm concerned about uh, the offensive coordinator and uh, the offensive line. You know, but did, did he never. It was never announced that he was going to be our offensive coordinator, was it? No, but I mean, he had been serving as offensive coordinator on the road, recruiting. He spoke to the Red Elephant Club. I mean, he he was doing everything. He was in the meetings, right? I mean, they both were acting as if they were, you know, going to be here. Because I think uh, they probably planned on it unless something came up. And I think the Seattle job came up and they ended up taking that. But according to Greg Byrne, um, he said they that Kalen DeBoer and I guess himself had a plan uh, if Ryan Grubb wasn't going to be joining uh, him in Tuscaloosa. So we'll, we'll see what that plan is, and we'll see kind of if we hear anything soon. But you, I'd imagine you probably want to try to get that offensive coordinator position filled pretty soon because, again, right now they're they're in the middle of going through installs, preparing for spring ball, and getting ready for all that good stuff. And this is a whole new system. So you're going to have to go ahead and make some changes so, uh, really soon. That way you can get somebody in here to start coaching these guys up. But, Ellis, we got to hit another break. We kind of got on a funky schedule. We appreciate it, man. Hope you're doing well, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Roll tide. Roll tide. Roll- 
every time. Plus, at these prices, well, we're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. The chance of some partial clearing this afternoon. Very mild. The high 67. For tonight, the chance of a shower this evening. Otherwise fair and turning colder below 39. For tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine with a high at 56 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Final minute of the show here. Been a fun show. Talked about a lot of different things on the show today. But tomorrow we'll get more in the Alabama and coaching search for an office coordinator and office line coach. And let's hear more from you on the phone lines. What's your thoughts? Are you scared? Are you worried? Or are you going to be the sunshine pumper? And just say, hey, it's all going to work out. Kalen, the boy, won everywhere he's gone. Is you taking that side? See, cool see, 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 like, you are so over the edge, brother. I mean, it's, you could just be, say, hey, you know, it's a big loss, but I think we'll uh, keep it pushing and find somebody. You don't have to be a sunshine pumper to be optimistic. Yeah, you do, because it's a problem. I just acknowledged that it was a significant loss, but I also still am optimistic we'll, we'll get a, a good replacement. You are so, man. We'll see. We'll see. I see why if people it's Mr. Sheridan, negative, man. I see if, <laughs> if it's Mr. Sheridan, then we'll <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just saying he's got a big decision. So coming up, you can't be a, a sunshine pumper all the time. You got to say it's this not is a pumping sunshine. You can say I like I, like well, me, I know it's if a you, big if you loss. Say, I said we I don't said, need to worry if, about I, it. I said if you minimize the significance of this, and then you're not being real with yourself. But at the same time, I'm not saying, oh, because he left, oh, things are over now. This is It's not going to work out. That's I crazy. That. I never said that. I don't know. We got to get out of here. I, I, got time I never said that. Worry or not, that's going to be on the show tomorrow. Don't be a sunshine pumper or a chapsticker. Bad 